Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my house. Come here. Our first award goes to the vampire for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. My fellow vampire lover, the sun is going down and you know what that means. It's time for me to record another episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. As always, I'm your host, Lena Nazari. Go to lenanazari.com to see links to all my social media. Join my fanged family. Uh, be part of my street team. See my appearances. See the previous podcast episodes, blah, blah, blah. Still working on the fourth book promise my goal is to have it out for june the last three books have been out in may and i'd love to stick with may but i don't know it's not looking that good (laughs) so i will keep you updated if you join my fanged family you will be the first to know when the book is going to be available and also see the cover before anybody else and blah 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 you guys have heard this before unless you're new to the podcast in which case welcome welcome. If you're new to the podcast, um, you're going to have to bear with me because I got a new mic last week. So if you're listening to the audio only version and you are not watching me on YouTube and the sound is weird, please bear with me. I think I'm going to end up having to get one of those arms that brings the mic down in front of my face because this new mic is picking up everything. I've played around with it. I've done my very best. So please, as I continue to learn and grow and adjust and adapt and get better equipment, I promise it's going to get better and better. Speaking of better, anything can be better than last week, what we covered last week. So I threw myself into a more of an artsy film, one that comes highly recommended. I had seen it, um, on all of the lists and had never watched it. So I decided what better time than now I can wash my brain clean from last week's movie and, and bring in something a little smarter, a little more intellectual, a little more, uh, on a higher level. So we went with the addiction because we're doing the addiction. Um, and it is like, artsy and upper class. Tonight's vampire tea is Moonlight and Serenade. It's a classy tea. And that is black tea with cornflower petals, jasmine, sunflower, and almond. It's very flowery. And I have it back in my vampire blood mug here. Mm. So go check that out. Uh, The link is in the description. I forgot to say this last week, but we're going to say it today. Spoiler alert. I'm going to ruin everything. I'm reviewing the movie, so I'm talking about it from beginning to end, breaking down the universe, and I'm going to ruin everything. So spoiler alert. That being said, let's do the summary. 
Kathleen Conklin, an introverted grad student of philosophy at New York University, is attacked one night by a woman who calls herself Casanova. She pushes Kathleen into a stairwell, bites her neck, and drinks her blood. Kathleen soon develops several traditional symptoms of vampirism, such as aversion to daylight and distaste for food. She grows aggressive in demeanor and propositions her dissertation advisor for sex in her apartment, stealing money from his wallet after he falls asleep. Jean, a doctoral student in Kathleen's cohort, notices a drastic change in Kathleen's personality. During finals week in the library, Kathleen meets a female anthropology student. They go to the woman's apartment to study where Kathleen bites her neck. While the young woman weeps incredulously, Kathleen coldly informs her, my indifference is not the concern here, it's your astonishment that needs studying. Later, Kathleen runs into an acquaintance who goes by the street name Black at a deli. She propositions him for sex and the two leave but soon attacks, on him, attacks him on an empty street and drinks his blood. Later on campus, Kathleen confronts Jean, rambling about the nature of guilt before proceeding to bite her neck and drink her blood. While walking on the street, Kathleen meets Pina, a vampire who claims to have almost conquered his addiction and as a result is almost human. For a time, he keeps her in his home, trying to help her overcome hers, recommending that she read William S. Burroughs' Naked Lunch. Later, Kathleen defends her dissertation to a committee and is awarded her doctorate of philosophy. At the grad party, she and Jean feast on the blood of a waitress in a storage closet. Afterwards, she, Jean, Casanova, and the other victims proceed to attack the other attendees in a bloody, chaotic orgy. Kathleen, having overdosed from the bloody Bacchanal, Bacchanal, I haven't heard that word in a while, and appearing racked with regret, wanders the street covered in blood. She ends up in a hospital and asks the nurse to let her die, but the nurse refuses. Casanova appears in Kathleen's hospital, shuts the curtains, and quotes R.C. Sproul next to her. Next, a Catholic priest visits Kathleen's room and agrees to administer the viaticum. In the final scene, Kathleen visits her own grave in broad daylight, and in a voiceover, Kathleen quotes, Self-revelation is annihilation of self. If that summary was confusing, there's a reason why, and <laughs> we are going to get to that. Vampiric references and crossovers. So Lily Taylor plays our lead heroine, Kathleen, and she was in Hemlock Grove, if you guys remember that. We did that the very first season of this podcast. Um, Friedro Starr is black in this, and he is in a movie called Vegas Vampires, as well as Blade, the TV series. Trivia. I thought it was really interesting. This whole thing was only shot in 20 days. I thought that was pretty interesting. All right, let's break down the vampires of this universe. <laughs> Relationship to humans. They walk amongst them. They feed on them. Most humans don't even know that vampires exist to the extent where a couple times the reaction in the movie is the person who's been bit is like, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? So they're assuming this is like a drug thing or someone who's mentally ill and never thinking vampire. <laughs> so, okay. 
relationship to animals. This is never addressed, um, but given that these vampires are really nothing special, I would guess they don't have an effect over animals. Appearance. You could walk right past these vampires and never know. They look utterly human to the point where fangs. I'm just going to say it real quick. No fangs. Blood. Okay, so this is a big, big, big part of this movie, and we'll talk about it more in my thoughts, but our main character starts to crave blood pretty early. She encounters a man sleeping on the sidewalk and uses a syringe to draw blood from his arm. Then she takes it home and she injects it into herself, and then she has a response. It's like a heroin high. She looks euphoric. She has visions. And then eventually she graduates to biting humans and drinking that way. It's implied later in the film that it feels amazing. And when she goes too long, she starts to feel like crap again. Um, then we meet a vampire who's learned to control his bloodlust. He's sort of human again, so that the, to the point where he's able to eat food and drink tea. He says, I live off just a little. So he still drinks some blood. But I'm not sure about specifics. This film is very, very, very unclear on a lot of things. Food, like I said. The vampires, except for this one that's like conquered his bloodlust so greatly that he's almost human again, the vampires do not eat food, um, but we do see them smoke. Sunlight. While she appears to not like the sun, I mean, she's wearing sunglasses everywhere she goes. She is out in the daylight. Um, sleep. Since they can be in the sun, they can really sleep anywhere that a human could holy items. She's in a hospital room with a crucifix and stares at it. So obviously that doesn't bother her. Then she ingests a holy wafer during communion. So clearly holy items, not an issue. Uh, rules. We do see that she's covering the mirrors in her apartment, but I'm not sure if this is because she doesn't cast a reflection or because she is repulsed by her own reflection anymore. She hates what she sees in the mirror. That's a very strong possibility here. Powers. As far as I see, they have no vampiric powers. When she's first attacked, the vampire just grab her and like pull her forcibly down into the stairwell and throws her against a wall. But it's hard to tell if the vampire is super strong or if this girl is just so meek that she is allowing herself to be manhandled. Um... We do see at one point in time when she grabs Black in the street, she does seem to be able to overpower him. But again, it's not clear if it's because she's super strong or because he's so shocked by the whole thing that she's able to overpower him. I'm very confused about whether or not they age or if they're immortal. Chris Walken's character, that's the Pina, the one who says, I've conquered my own uh, addiction. He says, like... I've gone 40 years without shooting up and that he lives on just a little. So I don't know how old he is. It's, he never explains it, but clearly he's gone 40 years without being ruled by his bloodlust. I don't know how long he was a vampire before that. I have no idea. It's never explained. Heartbeat or breathing. So Kathleen tries to slit her wrists and Pena says, you can't kill what's already dead. So we know that they're the living dead, but then she's in the hospital 
And trust me, the first thing that happens is you're hooked up to a vitals machine. So if she had no heartbeat and wasn't breathing, she wouldn't be just resting comfortably in a hospital bed. They'd be freaking the hell out. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to move on. It just, there's no point in even trying to question a lot of this because I don't think that's the point of the movie at all. Um, how are they made? So we're going to talk about this a little more towards the end, but essentially it's just a bite. Not my fave. Um, and we're going to talk about this. Let's, let's just go on to how do they die? Like I said, Pina says you're already dead, but then she's in the hospital. She begs the nurse to open the curtains and kill her. But this is confusing because we've clearly seen her in the sun many, many, many times. Um, my thought is that the more you feed, the more vampiric you become, the less human you are. And then maybe if she continues to feed this bloodlust, she will get to the point where she can't be in the sun. She doesn't have a heartbeat or breathe. That's what I take from all of this. As for whether or not she can die, I don't know. Because here's what we see. She's in the hospital. She's getting communion. Um, and then the next scene is her visiting her grave. So did she fake her death? If so, how? I, I don't know. So it's, it's fine. We're going to talk about this in my thoughts, okay? Let's just keep breaking this down and then we'll talk about it. Are they good or are they bad? If I haven't made myself clear, let's go ahead and talk about this. The blood in this movie is, is supposed to be uh, essentially a metaphor for addiction. So you could replace blood with alcohol, uh, heroin, gambling, whatever. But the whole point of this whole movie is addiction and what addiction does to you and how it makes you less and less and less human. And then you get to the point where you'll do anything you can. So like many addicts, the people in this movie are not necessarily bad. They're just doing whatever they can for their next fix. And they start doing little things like, um, you know, drawing pulling out a syringe and drawing blood out of a stranger and then they're shooting it up and then they're biting and then, you know, it gets worse and worse and worse. So are they bad people? Do they have a choice? I don't know. This is not a morality podcast. This is not a fizzy uh, uh, um, philosophy podcast. This is a vampire podcast. So in this world, like Pena makes it very clear, you can choose what you're going to do. You could choose if you're going to allow this to overpower you and make you quote unquote bad. It's really up to the vampire. Tropes I love and tropes I hate. The trope I love in this is the older, wiser vampire who takes this young vampire who's completely out of control under their wing and tries to help them. I do not condone forced withdrawal on anybody. But I also don't think that new vampires should just be left on their own. I think that's somebody should be training, teaching, guiding until they're safe on their own. So she just got turned and thrown out into the world and now is dealing with this horrible addiction. But also him locking her in his loft for forced withdrawal. I don't condone that either. Tropes I hate. So you guys know this. I absolutely hate when my vampires don't have fangs, can be in the sun, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 there's nothing in this movie that truly makes them not human. 
So the vampires, I think, truly are just supposed to be a metaphor, which makes breaking this whole universe down very, very difficult and also feeling kind of pointless at that at this point. All right, let's do the ratings. How scary or evil are the vampires of the addiction? They are strong, I think. So we're going to give them that point. But here's what I want to focus on. They are addicts. So this makes them absolutely relentless in the pursuit of their next fix. And that is very scary because it makes somebody lose um, logic thought. It makes them lose reason. It makes them lose their morals. They become a little bit unhinged. And we see this because her graduation party turns into an absolute slaughter and none of the vampires even pause. They don't hesitate at all. It doesn't appear like they can die and they spread with just a bite. So that was what I wanted to talk about with the how are they made. Everybody that she bites throughout the film comes back at this last party. So one bite, boom, vampire. That's not good for humans because it'd be very, very easy for vampires to take over. So all in all, Six out of 10 stakes to the heart for scariness and evil, which is a solid, solid scare score. How sexy or alluring, alluring, I'm not sure what that accent was, are the vampires of the addiction? Our main character starts out very meek, very mousy in the beginning of the film. So this is the setup for the drastic change that occurs over the course of her addiction. She becomes wanton. She seduces her professor. She gets her nails done, her hair done. That being said, the only time we see her use sex to get what she wants is really just in the beginning and it's to get someone to feed on. It's not because they wanna show you a good time. It's not because they're amazing in bed and they're gonna give you the best night of their lives. They're just trying to hook you so that then they can bite you. It doesn't appear like they have any kind of special allure. The humans are not powerless, you know, against their advances. They do have sex, so I will give them that. And they get their honorary vamp point. And they get one more for the absolute confidence that it's clear that they have. Um, so total score of 3 out of 10 onks for sexiness and allure. So here are my thoughts. Have you ever stood in like an art gallery and everybody's staring at this like amazing thing and you're trying to figure out what the hype is? It's like, it's like a pineapple with a rain cloud over top of it and people are willing to pay six figures and you're thinking, I don't understand. I don't get it. That's what this movie was for me. <laughs> it is on so many of the greatest vampire movies of all time lists. It felt like one of those ones that you have to see, that it's absolutely incredible, that you can't call yourself a vampire fan unless you've seen it, but I don't get it. I don't know, maybe I'm too dumb, or maybe it's just not my cup of tea. See what I did there? Tea, vampire tea, go check it out. It's not my cup of tea. Um, To me, this movie felt a lot like a student art project or like something that somebody, um, did specifically for art, it, it feels too pretentious for its own good. And anyone who's ever talked to a philosophy major will understand what I'm saying. Um, you, you're at the very beginning, 
you're like interested in what's going on and you're kind of intrigued, but then you start to feel like you're only sticking around because you have to, because if you walk away, you kind of look like a dummy. Then you start to realize that like their belief in their own intellect is now just becoming obnoxious. <laughs> That's kind of what this movie felt like to me. There was one line that stuck with me. She said, we drink to escape the fact that we're alcoholics. Existence is the search for relief from our habit, and our habit is the only relief that we can find. So that stuck with me. That is a very harsh truth. It's a very powerful statement. It is something to think about. Clearly, this whole movie is saying something about addiction. You know, the need for blood changes her character and her morals. She gets to the point where her next fix is her only focus, and she will do anything to get it. That being said, what is the point of a powerful message if it is hidden in a riddle because you're trying to appear super smart? Well, now your message is lost to a vast majority of your audience. So what's the point of like, it's like finding the cure to an illness, but it's so expensive that only 5% of people can afford it. Well, then what's the point of creating the cure? So that's what it felt like to me. Anywho, um, for the vampire snobs who bring up the movie, I can now look them in the eyes and say, yes, of course I have seen that one, but I will never watch it again. I just won't. I won't. Um, I'm not embarrassed to say that I watch vampire movies for fun, for escape, because I love them. I love the world building. And this one just it, it lost me. It wasn't fun. It felt like homework. I did it for the podcast. I get to tell everybody now, of course, I've seen the addiction. Um, but yeah, I'll never, I'll never watch this one again. So next week, we're going to cover one that is super fun because I really, really wanted a fun one after last week's atrocity and this week's very heavy, heavy homework. I wanted something super fun and goddess knows I, I earned it. So we're going to be doing Slayers, which is on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Um, go and watch it. It is so much fun. It is way more my type of vampire movie. So I would say if you, um, if you haven't watched The Addiction, you could take it or leave it. Uh, if you didn't watch Dracula in Love, you're welcome. But go watch Slayers. I'm going to go ahead and break the fourth wall and uh, put you out of your misery. Uh, and before I review it next week, just tell you, go watch it. Go watch it. And we will come back next week and we will talk about it. In the meantime, I'm going to go write my book because i got to get this thing. The goal is to have it done by the end of February. So send me positive thoughts. In the meantime, I wish you wicked blood wicked blood. I'm going to keep that. I'm not even, I'm not even going to edit that out. It's because I said blood so much today that now it's stuck in my head. I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.